Welcome to the Vineyard Church Weekly Message Podcast. We hope you will be encouraged and challenged today as you listen to a message from one of our speakers. Prepare your heart and get ready to receive a word from God today. All right, we're going to be in 1 Corinthians 15. That's where I'm going to be, 1 Corinthians 15. While you're getting there, I want to ask us all a question And it's an important question that I'm actually going to hover around for the entire talk. And the question is this, who are the most influential voices you trust? I'm going to pause for a second and have you think about that. Because some of us listen to a a lot of voices and we put trust in a lot of voices. So who, who are the most influential voices that you trust? Share one. Online, just put it in the comments. What is Huffman doing up there asking for feedback? Share a voice, important voice, influential. Did you just say wife? (laughs) He's going to have a good day today. He just said his wife. That is the right answer, sir. Way to go. Give (laughs) Give me another voice that you listen to, influential. Oh, pastor, thank you so much. Yeah, I got you. Nice. Yeah, so when I was thinking about this question, I was thinking when I was growing up, some of the most influential voices were my parents. They spoke into my life, and I listened sometimes, and uh, they were just influential. And a pastor, right, that could be one. We live in a world today that the word influential or influencer is actually Uh, It means something different because now there's people online that are actually called influencers. Maybe you've seen some of them. Here's one. I'll put a picture up. Anybody know this guy? Some of you do. This this is Justin Bieber, Biebs. Justin Bieber, if you didn't know, Justin has 300 million people following him on his social media platforms. That's a big, does anybody else think that that's a big, that's almost the population of the United States is following, listening to Justin Bieber. Or what about this guy? There's probably a smaller crew who knows who this guy is. (laughs) One person in the room knows who this is. This is PewDiePie. That's not his real name, but PewDiePie has been online in YouTube over 10 years, and he posts regular content. He has 109 million people as of this morning, 109 million people listening to his content. Time Magazine has named him one of the most influential voices in the world. I'm going to let that simmer for a second. Not to make fun of PewDiePie, but PewDiePie is a guy who his sole job is to sit at home and post online content, and Time Magazine has named him one of the most influential voices in the world. Here's why this is important. If you dig a layer deeper, if you look at the, uh, uh, some research from the Digital Marketing Institute, here's some things to think about. 49% of consumers depend depend on influencer recommendations. They're waiting for Justin Bieber or Ronaldo or PewDiePie to tell them what to buy. Now, on some of these things, who cares if you buy Sasquatch soap over dial soap? I don't care. But there's, if we dig even deeper, there's some things maybe to think about and 
possibly be concerned about because look at this other statistic. 40% of millennials say that an online influencer understands them more than their friends do. It's hilarious on one hand, who in the world, Justin Bieber does not know you, but on the other hand, we have an entire generation who is saying, half of them are saying, that guy that really doesn't know me, know me knows me better than my friends do. That is scary. The, the people who we deem influential and invite into our inner circle can lead us into decisions that some of them don't matter, but some of them are critical. Let me give you a couple of examples from my life. Uh, when I was in the marketplace, very early on in healthcare, I had an influential boss, he was a great guy, and he told me uh, advice on how to be successful. And his advice was, here's what you need to do to be successful. You need to work harder and longer, more hours, than anyone around you. Even at the cost of relationships. That's how to be successful. And I followed his advice because I allowed him to speak into my life. And I became successful in the marketplace to the detriment of the relationships of my family, my kids, and my Savior, Jesus. Influential voices can have an impact on our life. Let me share another one. This last weekend, I'm not sure, I think this was in the news here locally, but while I was in Chicago for the mission trip, one of the evenings, they uh, were going to release a video from a police officer's body camera that that police officer shot a 13-year-old and the 13-year-old died. Was that in the news here locally? Yeah, it was all over the news in Chicago. And here's the, a picture of this young boy. He's 13 years, years old. His name was Adam Toledo. Now, I, I don't want to talk about the events that happened between the police officer and Adam Toledo. I actually want to back up his story and talk about the power of voices in an inner circle because someone got into Adam Toledo's inner circle and spoke over this boy to say that it was okay to be out at night at two in the morning and gave him a gun. That the power of voices around us and in our lives can help us or it can create disasters in our life. Do you get this? You may never want me to leave for two weeks again because I'm like, okay. Proverbs 13.20, it says it this way, walk with the wise and become wise. For a companion of fools suffers harms. We have to be careful who we're inviting in. Psalm 1.1, the first verse to the first psalm, it's like the table of contents for the rest of the book of Psalms. It starts this way. It says this. It says, blessed is the one, if you want to be blessed, don't do these things. And look at the progression. Blessed is the one who does not walk in the step of the wicked or stand in the way that sinners take or sit in the company of mockers. The, the writer of the psalm says it's, it's not just sitting, right, with a whole bunch of people. Don't even walk with people who you shouldn't be listening to or, or, or stand with a group of people that are pulling you astray or sit and invite them into the inner circle. You have to be careful who we invite in. When we get this wrong, 
here's what happens. When we invite or listen to voices, when we get this wrong, our relationships suffer. We lean on things that are frankly just not true, and the world becomes even more confusing. That the, our inner circle has a significant impact to many things in our lives. And I think we are living, you may not agree with this, but I believe as I listen to things going on within the church, outside of the church, and around the community, we are living at a time that is incredibly confusing, and there are more voices than we can feel. Like, it's crazy. So I want us to consider this question deeply. Even if you think that you have it figured out and your inner circle is perfect, I want us to think of this question like we were in a living room sitting together like a family, having a family discussion. And here's the question, who's in my inner circle? Really? Who's in, I'm asking that myself, who is, who am I allowing into my inner circle? As we consider that question, I want to remind us that we're in this series, Who Told You That? And we're looking at some of the biggest deceptions that we might be believing. And I love this series because it's providing this little tension of some of the things that we normally don't talk about and we're bringing them to light. And one of the deceptions I want to look at today is who told you that was not a sin? Who told you that wasn't a sin? Because the, the, the reality is we're gathering people around us who are affirming things that Jesus would never affirm. I want to look at that thought actually in the book of 1 Corinthians chapter 15. Before I read the text, I need to give you some background. Paul helps set up this church. The church is thriving. It's growing. Things are going well. To the point that Paul can go off and do other things to another city and and help out and do more ministry. And, And so Paul's doing great things. The church is growing. But all of a sudden, this church that was following Christ allows other voices to speak into it. And these other voices are telling the Christians that no one raises from the dead. That resurrection from the dead doesn't really exist, and so this whole Jesus thing, it's a sham. And the reality is, if you take Jesus and put him back in the grave and don't put him on the cross and beating death, then the whole thing messes up. And so what we have is we have a group of Christians at a thriving church believing lies to the point that they're discounting Jesus. That's a problem. And Paul hears about this. And so he writes the church, and I think what he writes the church of Corinth could be written to the church here at Vineyard as well for different reasons. Let me read this. It says, do not be misled. Bad company corrupts good character. Come back to your senses as you ought and stop sinning. For there are some who are ignorant of God. I say this to your shame. He goes on in this letter to outline what the truth really is, but he ends this section. You should read the whole chapter. He ends this section with this. Therefore, my dear brothers and sisters, stand firm. Let nothing move you. Always give yourselves fully to the work of the Lord because you know that your labor in the Lord is not in vain. In those few verses, What I want to look at is the power of our inner circle and what Paul wrote to a church 
that had compromised its inner circle, but Paul could write it to us today. And so before I unpack what I see in the text, let me pray. So Father, we come to you today, and I've been praying, God, that today we would really, as a family, critically evaluate the voices we listen to. And so I pray, as imperfect people, you would open our hearts and our minds to what you would say. We want to hear your voice over any other voice. So help us. Help us. We need your help. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. On the back of your programs, a couple fill in the blanks that'll help guide me through today's talk. Here's what I see in the text. I see that my inner circle can impact my character. It can impact my character. Paul writes to the church. It's very clear. He says this, don't be misled. Some versions say, don't be deceived. Bad company corrupts good character. It, it doesn't need a lot of definition or unpack. It's really clear. Bad company corrupts good character. They were inviting people in, and not just their decision-making was bad, but it's actually corrupting their character. We see this all throughout Scripture of people bringing into their inner circle bad company, and it's corrupting their character. You can go back to the book of Genesis, first book of the Bible. God creates Adam. He creates Eve. He gives them very clear instructions. Don't go eat from this tree because the tree will give you the knowledge of good and evil. Don't do that. But what do they do? They invite Satan. They didn't have to listen to him. They invite someone into their inner circle to deceive them. They believe it. Their character has been forever changed, and it changes us today because of it. If we fast forward from Genesis and you go to the book of Judges, we find a man who was powerful. He had some crazy hair. His name was Samson. Samson had a call in his life from God. He was supposed to do really powerful things. But Samson decided that this woman by the name of Delilah was beautiful and invited her into his inner circle. But she was a deceiver. That was her role in his life. She just continually tried to deceive him. Ended up costing him his life. Fast forward even more to the New Testament, and this is one of the more sad accounts of the power of an inner circle that has bad company in it. Jesus is doing great miracles, he's preaching, he's healing people, yet he goes to his hometown. And in his hometown, people have gathered together in their inner circles, and they start chattering about, well, is, is that Jesus? The carpenter's son? Like, I know him. I know Mary. That can't be Jesus. That's crazy talk. And they discount the power of Jesus to the point, if we look in the book of Matthew, it says this. It says, and he, Jesus, did not do many miracles there because of their lack of faith. Jesus' hometown missed the very thing that they had been praying and reading and studying about for their entire life because of their inner circle. Proverbs 12, 26 says it this way, the righteous choose their friends carefully, but the way of the wicked leads them astray. We're supposed to choose our friends carefully. 
I get how hard this can be. I'm, I'm in discussion with a young adult right now who's really becoming aware of the power of Jesus in their life. Like they are awakening who Jesus is, what he can do, and it's amazing. But they also have a friend group that is pulling them every time they get connected with them to a point that they're wondering, I see the power of Jesus, but I really like my friends, but they're not doing things that lift me up. They're not doing Christian things. They're tearing me apart. I, can, I understand the tension in the middle of that. I, I had a family member uh, who has since passed, but in their older age, and they were a Christian, they would turn on the television and they would listen to newscasters feed them what I frankly heard was garbage time and time again. And even though they were Christians, their character turned to what the newscaster told them to say. Second Timothy 4.3, we've read this verse many times. But it says this, for a time will come when people not put up with sound doctrine, instead to suit their own desires. Look what they will do. They will gather around them. They will create inner circles. They will put people in their lives to say what their itching ears want to hear. Here's what I'm noticing as I interact with people. We are living in confusing times. And in confusing times, we search for answers in various places. And what I'm hearing and what I'm seeing and what I'm experiencing is people, instead of being rooted in truth, they start going out and inviting voices that affirm their behavior like having sex outside of marriage, like going to Michigan to buy pot because it's legal and smoking their cares away, or drinking enough alcohol that they don't have to think about their relationships. or gathering people around them to gossip about their church, to gossip about their neighbors and their family. It's like, it's like we're out of our senses. If we just stopped and listened to what we're listening to, really, it's like we're out of our senses. Am I the only one that feels this way? It's like we're out of our senses. In Paul, he writes the church of Corinth, but he could be writing the church of Vineyard. And Paul writes this way, come back to your senses as you ought and stop sinning. If you look at other translations, it actually says, Paul says, come out of your drunken stupor. In a confusing world, when we gather voices around to affirm things we should not be doing, it's like we're in a drunken stupor, lost and just wandering around. And the answer is this. You can write this down. A great answer to a confusing world is godly character. A great answer to a confusing world is godly character. When things get challenging and confusing and we're not sure who to listen to or what to do, the right thing to do is to have a character centered and anchored and deeply rooted in the person of Jesus Christ. I'm going to say it over here. You may not have heard that. 
in a really confusing world, to have a character deeply rooted and anchored in the person of Jesus Christ is the answer. That's the answer because when we do that, we get the fruit of what he says we can get. Fruits like love, joy, patience, peace, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. When we're led by the Holy Spirit, when we've anchored our lives into the person of Jesus, when we put our gaze on him and him alone, those are the fruits that we receive. And I don't know about you, but we're living in the world that is dying to have those fruits, literally. Let me say it this way. If we want our communities to thrive, if we want our relationships to thrive, if we want clarity in a confusing world, the only answer is to be rooted and anchored in character in the person of Christ Jesus, period. So here's a question, and the question that I'm asking myself this question. I need this message as much as anyone listening, and it's how is my character being influenced by others? You may not think it is, but you're allowing voices into your head, either close to you or on the television or PewDiePie, and those voices have influence in our head. So how is my character being influenced by others? Because my inner circle can impact my character. And the world needs a godly character. Which brings me to a practical second thing. I see that Paul writes the church at the end of this in verse 58. He says this, Therefore, my dear brothers and sisters, stand firm. Let nothing move you. The nothing that he's referring to is people. Right? At the beginning of this, he was talking about people who were leading you astray, And so at the end, he's like, let no person move you. Did you know, newsflash for some of you, you might want to write this down. You have full control over who you allow into your inner circle. Did you know that? I love how the ESV, the ESV translation puts the verse 58. It says this, it says, therefore, my beloved brothers, be steadfast, immovable. Those are strong words. And the root of that is be immovable against voices that are pulling you in a different direction. I want to give you an example from this last weekend. This last weekend I was in Chicago, as I said, and uh, part of our responsibility while we were in Chicago on the mission trip is to go out at night and minister and pray for and, and share the love of Jesus with the homeless in homeless encampments, tent cities, with prostitutes and with pimps. And we would go out in party buses, Jesus party buses, (laughs) and we would go out and we would talk to these folks and pray with them. Here's what one of the encampments looked like. This was before it got dark, but it was places like this. So we would drive to each one of them and we had two buses. The bus I was on actually had a driver and the driver's name was Brother Bear. Here's a picture of Brother Bear. Mary Clark on the right, Brother Bear on the left. Brother Bear uh, was a kind man, and I got to know Brother Bear uh, fairly well because he, as he was driving through the streets of Chicago to alleys and to homeless encampments, he was telling a story. 
his testimony. And what he shared was that he was homeless once. And now he's driving a bus for a church to go out and minister to the homeless. And that he was 500 days clean, a little over 500 days clean from drugs and alcohol. That's pretty awesome. It gets better. As we're driving on the bus and going from encampment to encampment to homeless communities, we pull up to a community that he once called home. He lived in this community that we drove to. Now, Brother Bear rarely got out of, the, uh, out of the bus when we visited these communities, but in this one, he said, this is where I used to live, and he saw somebody, and he walked out of the bus, and he talked to this man that was homeless, clearly. It wasn't a long conversation. Brother Bear steps back in the bus, and he starts to share about this interaction. He said, uh, this guy, I saw him, he was a guy that was homeless when I was homeless, and this guy would tell me regularly, Brother Bear, you won't amount to anything. Can you imagine, just for a second, you're homeless, you're addicted to something, and not only that, you have voices around you that say you will not amount to anything. How devastating that was. And Brother Bear saw this guy, stepped out of the van, walked up to him and said, you know, you once told me that I wouldn't amount to anything, but look at me now. And not only that, where are you? Because you can take a step to get out of where you're at. Here's the reality. Brother Bear filtered the voice around him that almost daily would tell him he wouldn't amount to anything. And now he's working for a church, ministering to the same community that spoke terrible things to him, that's a testimony for Jesus. That's power of filtering the voices around you. Paul writes 2 Thessalonians 3.6 to another church. He says this, in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, we command you. This is not an idle suggestion. We command you, brothers and sisters, to keep away from every believer who is idle, disruptive, does not live according to the teachings you receive from us. See, Paul realizes that other voices are putting stumbling blocks in the way of the hopes and dreams that God has for the church and for the individual. So who's putting stumbling blocks in front of the hopes and dreams that God has for you? Romans 16, 17 says that this, I urge you, brothers and sisters, to watch out for those who cause divisions and put obstacles in your way that are contrary to the teachings you've learned. Keep away from them. If we really got this, it would be more helpful than you realize. God has a better plan for your life. We may not know the full plans he has, but all too often we get wrapped up into other people's junk, into other people's thoughts about our situation instead of getting wrapped up in the truth of Jesus Christ and the dreams that he has for our life. Here's the reality. The last 2,000 plus years, this book has been true. And until Jesus comes back, this book will be true. I want to be filtered by this book instead of someone in my life yelling at me what I can't do because that voice will only last until the next louder voice comes in. I want to follow this. Peter and John 
two disciples, I love this account, they're out doing the things, the dreams that God had for them. They're out ministering, sharing the gospel, doing great things, and they get thrown in prison because of it. That's not a great time. And they actually come out of prison, and influential leaders come to them to speak into their lives. And here's what the leaders say. It says, then the leaders called them in again and commanded them not to speak or teach at all in the name of Jesus. But Peter and John replied, which is right in God's eyes to listen to you or to him. You be the judges. See, when we filter voices It allows us to have clarity and invite other people in that can help us. You can write this down. The unshakable core of your inner circle should be Jesus. The unshakable core of our inner circle should be Jesus. And when we do that, when we have a core of Jesus, when we have filtered out the other voices, we can invite other voices that actually build us up in. I I don't know about you, but I want in my inner circle people who are like Peter and John who are speaking into my life, who will stand up and say, no, 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 I want to see and share the things that Jesus has done. When I'm 60 or 70 years old, I want people close to me that are not telling me, Steve, you just need to go home and be safe. I don't want those voices. I want the voices to say, you're 60 or 70, you have seen things that the younger generation needs, pour it out, give it all. That's what I want. I want people in my inner circle telling me that the problems of the world will not be solved by the craziness of the world. It'll be solved by Jesus. Here's why this is important. Here's why this is critically important to us to have an inner circle that builds us up. I started this talk by sharing a story about Adam Toledo. You remember that? 13-year-old got shot and was killed in the streets of Chicago. It's a tragic story, but did you know that there was another young man named Eduardo Rivera who was shot and killed in the streets of South Bend just a few weeks ago? A 16-year-old. That's our community. That's not okay. Here's why that's not okay. It's not okay because the person, whoever it was that pulled the trigger, did not have the light of Jesus inside them. That's my community. I want a group of people around me who looks at that and says, that is not okay, we've got work to do. I want a group around me that says, we have a community center seven minutes south that we have adopted, and in that community, there are a lot of people who are trying to figure out how to do life, how to do relationships, how to manage money, and the enemy is all over that, and I want a group of people that says, let's go. You have gifts and talents to pour out to people that are seven minutes south of here. Many of us likely know either family or friends or people around you who are struggling with addictions to pornography, addictions to alcohol, who are doing things in their lives that if you objectively looked at it with the filter of Jesus, you know that their lives is going to, they're just going to get ripped apart. 
And the answer is a community that believes that the right answer isn't the news, isn't a worldly answer, but it's to have a godly character rooted and anchored in who Jesus is. We need a stronger inner circle. So here's a question. What voices in my inner circle need to be filtered out? Just think about that for a minute. To recap, my inner circle can impact my character and be selectively filtered. Why don't you stand? We're going to move into a time of prayer. Thanks for listening to the Vineyard Church Weekly Message Podcast. We pray you were impacted by this message. God bless and see you next time.